0: Good morning. It's good to see everybody and welcome to Grace. Let me begin this morning. If you have a bulletin, you'll see it there. I'm just going to take a moment to call us to worship. And uh, we've been talking about God's promises and perseverance. And so let me just read the meditation that you have there before you as we prepare our hearts. The perseverance of the saints does not depend upon their own free will but on the unchangeableness of the decree of election flowing from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father, and on the efficacy of the merit and intercession of Jesus Christ, the continuing presence of the Spirit and the seed of God within them, and on the nature of the covenant of grace. So what a blessing as we continue to learn through Hebrews the importance of our high priest. And so let me call us to worship. If you'll please stand and prepare as we sing hymn number 521. It's from Hebrews chapter 10. Since we have such a great high priest over the house of God, come and draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, and let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Amen. You may be seated. What a blessing to know that we have that solid ground to stand on this morning. As we come together, if you're visiting with us, we want to welcome you. We're glad that you chose to be with us this morning. There is a guest card that's there in the pews and also a prayer request card on the back of that. That if you would like to fill that out, we will have a record of your visit. And also if you have a prayer request, uh, you can fill that out on the backside and place that in the offering plate as it comes by this morning. Or just leave it on the desk in the foyer. Uh, And we'll be glad to take that or if you would like to just hand it to us if it is something you don't want others to know and sometimes it's hard to get up with us you are welcome to just bring it straight to either Nick and I and we'll take those prayer cards and we'll take those back and faithfully pray upon those for you Um, also you'll uh, notice that we have uh, several announcements that are in the back of the bullets and I'll let you read several of those announcements. Um, But I will have a few things to add to those. We are starting the new quarter up next week. Some will be starting this week, and I'm excited um, to run down. I don't have everybody in front of me, but maybe next week I would like to introduce um, all of our teachers and kind of set them off and commission them for a whole other year. Uh, We also have the ladies' Bible studies that will be going on Tuesday nights and on Sunday mornings, and the men's class on Wednesday nights, and so... We're often running for the fall, so we're excited to know that we're able to teach the Word of God in many different settings, and so we encourage you to plug in and be a part. Don't just serve. I say this gently, even as an elder, sometimes as elders and deacons and leaders of committees, we spend a lot of time leading committees, but we ourselves are never in Bible study. We're never going to the men's groups. We're never being taught. We're only teaching others. And there comes a point when we ourselves need to be fed. So I would encourage all of you, even if it's not every week, find a time that you also can be fed in a small group and encouragement and find those friendships to help you as you go. We do have a busy day coming up this next Saturday. This Saturday coming up, I tease everybody that tells me there's a debate between this coming Saturday. Would you say this Saturday or next Saturday? If you say yes, there you go. It's this next Saturday. How's that? It's coming up. It's It's going to be a busy day. We have the breakfast for the men, and I believe that's at 7.30. Shake a head, men. Is that right? 7.30. It's not in there, but it's going to be a special time. Nancy Moriarty will be here. She's going to share with us all that took place with the Ukraine uh, mission and her time there, so that's going to be a blessing. And then after that, not shortly after that, the Nora Keenan uh, funeral or memorial service will be here if you... Are a part of that or know about that, that will be taking place as well afterward. And so uh, it'll be a busy day for some of you, but that's this coming Saturday. Also, Wednesday is our men's group. We're kicking off 1 Samuel. So, men, if you have not gotten the book, they're in. Or if you have not signed up or need a book or have decided you want to be a part, men, let me encourage you, even if you can't be there every week, um, you can take the book. You can still keep up as you go along and plug in when you're available. Uh, it's a wonderful study, and I know Mrs. McFadden, they're actually going to be doing First Samuel in the ladies' class. And so men, they're checking up on us. They're going to make sure what we're, we're, we're learning is the right stuff. And uh, But men, I guess the truth of it is, if you miss Wednesday night, you can come to the ladies' class on Sunday morning. So don't miss uh, Wednesday night. Uh, but it'll be a blessing as we're all sharing together. But I'll let you read a lot of those. The deacon and elder nomination, today is the day that the elders had opened it through. So if you're still praying about that or have someone that you would like to nominate, uh, please put that in there today. I'll be following up with those and finding out who's going to go forward and who wants to be trained and uh, what that all entails. And and be excited in prayer, folks. It's going to be a big transition coming in our church. So I'll tell you months and months ahead to be in prayer because since the pandemic time and since I've been here, We've had several elders rotate off, but we haven't had any new ones come on. And so this year, we'll be having new ones come off and more going off. And so we're, we're kind of excited and anxious about what it is God has for us. Um, and I say this gently. I was threatening some of the elders. We have to find somebody because if we don't have any elders, then that means we get to pull elders from other churches to come in and be our elders. It's called a temporary session, and so please don't make me serve with other church elders here at this church uh, while they're at their other churches. So I say that gently. We trust the Lord, but be in prayer for the men who are going to come forward and, and not only serve on the session, but those who are coming forward to serve again as deacons, that we do have enough to keep the ministries going forward. So we are excited. I know it's a, a fall coming up. We've got a lot of committees, ministry teams we want to get back together So I'll be spending many Sundays challenging you to give me a few hours so that if you're interested in being on the missions team, we want to meet and get that started back up. If you're interested in the fellowship ministries or in the stewardship ministries of our church, that's one of our big ones. We need those of you who are interested in helping plan and coordinate an entire budget. If you're interested in things like that and you like to work with numbers and you're able to figure out how things work together, uh, we would like to put our budget together again for next year. And it's always nice and helpful. I know Mike Moriarty, who serves on our session, has said many times, he's served almost a quarter of a century without a break. Whether as a session, a deacon, a treasurer, and there comes a point when you just need some time. And so uh, if you're interested in that at all, we would love for you to step forward. Let us know how you would like to help so that we can begin a process of training uh, for for the, the church So That's lots going on We're excited about it But most importantly We're glad to be here this morning we're, we're looking forward to worship And so let's take a moment Go to the Lord in prayer You'll see the prayer request there We always have prayer in the mornings If, if people are here Before the service That you're welcome to join They're meeting I think in the library Still downstairs uh, If you want to pray um, but, but take them seriously And let's take a moment and pray And then if you would join me In the Lord's prayer As we continue It's inside the cover of the red hymn book if you need it, but let's go to the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for your love, for all that you have done through the summer. Lord, for the many that stepped forward to help us serve, to fill in, to give others a break. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of the teachers who throughout the whole summers have worked around vacations and opportunities and family events to be able to continue teaching and upholding the word and. Lord, I pray this morning for conviction, Lord, that uh, you would place it upon the hearts of your children who you would like to help lead, uh, that you would like to help us through our deacons and elders, that as we train and prepare, that, Lord, we can keep the purity and peace going forward. Lord, we live in a world in which even the church is so challenged to stay faithful to the truth. And yet, Lord, bring conviction to each of us in our own ministries, that we too can help and serve and faithfully go forth in the kingdom. Lord, we do pray for our families, those that have been sick, those who have still wrestled with uh, some of the symptoms uh, from COVID and some of the uh, vaccination issues and some of the results and some of the leftover results and those who have faced it more than one time and have caught it several times. Lord, uh, we pray for those who have been sick in general. We pray for those who have that lost their loved ones. Father, there's been so much. And as our church grows, Father, we're connected to so many others that are in need. And so, Lord, we lift each of those up this morning. We ask that you'll bring comfort where it is needed, assurance, uh, Father, to give them strength uh, where it's necessary. Lord, all this we bring before you that seems so demanding in our requests. And yet what we want to do is just come before you and praise you. Thank you for all that you have given us, what you have done for us, and what you have given us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Because it is through him and him alone that we are able to come and enjoy our presence with you. Through him and the dwelling of your Holy Spirit, Lord, we do come as a body, praying as you strengthen us and as your Son taught us, saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom
1: and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We come to the moment in our service when we confess our sins together. And I encourage you to take with you the the words that that we just sang that when we confess confess our sins sins, we're coming with Christ in Christ Christ. we're not those who brush ourselves off and get ourselves ready and holy and enough for God but we come with Jesus as we confess our sins because he's the one who helps us so let's pray together this prayer that's printed for you in the bulletin Almighty God We acknowledge and confess that we have sinned against you. We have not been fully devoted to you and therefore neither our neighbor. Father, deepen within us our sorrow for the wrong we have done and for the good we have left undone. Lord, you are full of compassion. You are gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. There is always forgiveness with you. Almighty God, bind up that which is broken in us. Give light to our minds, strength to our wills, and rest to our souls. Speak to each of us and let your word abide with us until it has wrought in us your holy will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And our gracious God ministers to us His promise from Romans 8. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Be encouraged that Jesus is your faithful Savior. He's interceding, He's praying. He's on our side by grace, and we receive that through faith. So let's confess our faith together from the words of the larger catechism. I'll read the question, and then let's all respond together. Why was our mediator called Jesus? Our mediator was called Jesus because he saveth his people from their sins. Why was our mediator called Christ? Our mediator was called Christ because he was anointed with the Holy Ghost above measure, and so set apart and fully furnished with all authority and ability to execute the offices of a prophet, priest, and king of his church in the estate both of his humiliation and exaltation. Deep, rich truths that we can depend on and think about. Thanks again to our music team and uh, all that they
0: do to help us as we go forward in worship. I want you to turn to Hebrews this morning as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper again this morning. Something I always look forward to and to be able to be fed uh, upon him. And so this morning I ask that you begin already praying in your heart what it is you need to do to be ready. Again, I'll remind you at the time of the Lord's Supper that we're not made ready by the supper to take the supper. The supper does not save us. The supper does not cleanse us. The supper is there for those of us who have already been cleansed, who have already made a profession of faith, and are able to feed upon Him and have our faith increased as we share together in fellowship. But this morning in Hebrews chapter 6, we've moved from this assurance that the preacher gives us, the writer gives us, that there's a better hope for those of us that are in Christ other than falling away and losing salvation. Now, each and every one of us know what inconsistent discipleship does. Let me just remind you, inconsistent discipleship leads to a lot of people that don't enjoy their Christianity to a lot of things that come along the way and we lose our joy in Christ. Discipleship is a long, steady journey. Discipleship is a process of following Christ, learning as we go. But it's never a journey of perfection. It's never a journey of completeness. We're always following and trusting in Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to challenge you in whatever it is you're facing or you're going through, whether it's a long-term scenario, an upcoming decision, or whether you're just having a rough week, that in all instances, we find ourselves not wrestling with whether or not we're saved, and that's why these things are happening to us, but that we need to trust in God's promises in what He said He would do, in what He promised He would accomplish in our lives. So are you trusting and resting in God's promises or are you living by the results or the things that he's already given? Here's what the writer says in Hebrews chapter 6 beginning in verse 13 as he challenges us about learning to live on the certainty of God's promises. His promises. Let me say this again. Whether they've already come or they're waiting to come. Are you still just as faithful in what he's asked you to do? Verse 13 says this from the English Standard Version, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Now, he didn't say bad words, let me clarify. He made an oath, he clarifies that. This is the type of swearing we're talking about. He made an oath saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Do you already know what promise he's talking about? What promise did God make to Abraham that he's already now seen come true? The promise of a what? A child. Go back to the early days of Genesis. And the writer is taking us back to the original promises that when he called Abram from the land of the Ur, the Chaldeans, amongst the, what we would today call Hinduism, the multiplicity of gods, and the millions and millions of forms of worship, he called them and made a promise to him. And this is what he goes on to say, for people swear by something greater Than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So, that by two unchangeable things, that actually is a word many times used up here several times immutable. It's a tough word, but so that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast this hope that's set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as forerunner. On our behalf Having become a high priest forever After the order of Melchizedek And then he'll take us on that journey in chapter 7 As we all await this Melchizedek But let me begin this morning by challenging you About enjoying or resting your certainty in God's promises Because we always have someone that we want to look up to Each of us can look back in life, and if I asked you this morning to pick the people in your life that were great influences on you, the people that you looked up to, the people that you can remember seem to always encourage you, seem to always have good advice for you, seem to always stand beside you to help you in whatever decision you made. And the writer here chooses of all people as an example of patience and hope, Abraham. Now I don't know about you, but I enjoy having Abraham as an example. Sometimes I get a little frustrated when he picks some of the people of faith, and I think, well, I wasn't always a Moses, I didn't always stand up to the Pharaoh, and I didn't always deliver the people of God the way I should. Sometimes you may have the hero of obviously the disciples, or even Peter, you may say, as a flop, you choose that side, or maybe Judas is a phony, you've been on that side. But I love Abraham, and I'll tell you why. For me, it was a great example that the writer chose. Because if you're going to use Abraham as an example of patient endurance, you must also take along with it the multiple anxieties, failures, jump starts that he went along and still received the promise. Maybe you're here this morning and you've jumped ahead of God. You figured out you could accomplish what God wants in your life faster than he's been willing to give it. Maybe you're here this morning and things didn't quite turn out the way you had planned it. And you're realizing that God's got a plan for you. You just wish it was more fully known. And so you're taking men's to do what you think should be done instead of waiting on him. You're no different than Abraham. For us to rest in the certainty of God's promises, the writer gives us a few things. First of all, he gives us a great example, and then he gives us encouragement. He breaks it down for us. So if you're following along, join with me. Let's first look at the example, what it is that he does for us in this life of Abraham. He picks us the one that goes clear back to the beginning in which he called us down and begins to develop his people from this land of Ur. He chooses Abraham and makes him a promise I'm just summarizing quickly that one day I will give you land, seed, and a blessing. It's called the Abrahamic covenant. You'll see it in 12, 15, and 17, the chapters without in Genesis, and you'll see this promise that he has been given, but years go by and what happens? He still sees no fruition to the promise, yet he's an example of patience. Catch this godly patience and Abraham jumps ahead and we have the story of an illegitimate son patiently waiting until his wife says I'm tired of being a mockery of the promises that haven't come for others to have children before I have why don't you take my handmaid and have children with her to try to assume that those would be the promises of God. This morning, let me tell you point blank, if God has made you a promise, how many times have you taken a substitute promise in its place and wonder why you don't feel the way you thought you would feel when God promised it to you? It's a different home. It's not the home God promised, but you got too anxious. It's not the car you thought were promised, but hey, you were ready to have one wasn't the career that you're in, but hey, you had to do something. How many of us, patiently waiting on God, still sometimes jump the gun and do that which we know is not right? Well, it wasn't just then. It wasn't just waiting 25 years for an illegitimate son or a real son and then having Ishmael. I will remind you this just so that you'll know the story. Though Ishmael was not the promise. He was not the replacement of the promise. He was made and came about in decisions that were not part of the promise. And yet in God's infinite wisdom and blessing, he meets with Hagar in the wilderness and says that he will still what? Bless Ishmael. If you've jumped ahead of God, if you haven't been as patient as you should have been, And you've made choices that are probably not the choices you would look back now and make. I want to remind you that even in the illegitimacy, the jumping forward, and trying to replace God's promises, God still blessed Ishmael. He'll still bless you. Why? Because of the certainty of God's promises. Abram, even in... Entertained the idea of, if you remember, putting together a will for the closest of kin, Eleazar of Damascus. It was him that he even decided, if I don't have my own heir, I might as well leave my stuff to someone who is part of my family. And he began to make all these conditions for the future, thinking that he wouldn't have one. He even began to doubt that whether or not maybe God would even provide the promise that he said. And this is our example. I don't know about you but sometimes I feel a little better when I think that Abraham himself struggled that he didn't just perfectly wait and look at everything in life as the gift that was supposed to come but he actually made decisions and he did things and he got anxious and he jumped the gun and he did things he shouldn't and we look back and we realize it never took away from God's character of what God promised our decisions don't change who God is And so all of a sudden, the text begins to tell us about this. Consider what takes place with this decision. When God made the promise to Abraham, he had no one greater than whom to swear. Isn't it amazing that God would see the need for him to say, hey, listen, I'm God. I created the world. I can do anything at any time, in any place, and in any way. I promise you, I'll give you a child. But since you like to know that promises have a certainty and assurance of maybe someone else to bring about its certainty, I will swear this according to who? Myself. I think I've told you before, one of my favorite lines in "O oh God by George Burns years ago is when he said, oh, help me, me. Because when we cry out who else could God use who else could God swear by When you are the ultimate of truth Have you ever found something in scripture that didn't come about as he said Have you ever seen the promises that he did give not come about Have you ever seen the results of what Jesus promised would come not come When they came the right way Sure there are those that we're still waiting on but we can't say they're not true Where are you? when it comes to trusting in God's promises. Oh, we all know that if you're going to be patient, we don't pray for patience. Because when you pray for patience, what happens? (laughs) Well, let me go a little bit further. How many of you pray for riches? Well, if we use the same logic that we don't pray for patience, And we pray for riches, let's wait for a long time of poverty before we ever experience what we actually pray for. If we're not gonna pray for patience or for finances, then maybe some of us ought to realize what happens when we pray for friends. Do we pray for patience? What does it take for us to appreciate the friends when we do have them? What does it take for us to appreciate the finances when we are given them? No different than when we finally get the patience, which is a gift from God. So all of a sudden we realize that it's about priorities. Listen to what it's all about is recognizing whether we're truly trusting in God's promises Or are we trusting in the promise that God gave us as in the blessing? How many of you are reveling now, not in what God has promised you in Himself, but in the thing that He has given you? You now look at the things that God's given you as that which you trust in. You're enjoying the finances that He gave you, or the friends that He gave you, or the things that have come about. You're you're trusting in the children that have been brought up, in the neighbors that have been along to help, in the church that provides the ministries. These are all blessings from God. But where is your trust? Are you still trusting in the one who promised? Or are you trusting in the blessings or the outgrowth of those promises? That's why I think he chose Abraham. I don't know why you think he did. You could go back and do your study. But I really believe that not only do I identify with them, but I think it's a great choice. God in his infinite wisdom at this point gets my approval. He chose a good one. Because it's in Abraham that we realize that even Abraham was putting his trust in his life in the blessings that God had given him. For even after the promise had come true, which we know the Bible says, he had a son. He was then reminded of that place called Mount Moriah. Do you remember what happened there? When Abraham was told to take his son up to the mountain and place him on the what? What? The altar. Abraham, are you trusting in me who made the promise and gave you the blessing? Or are you now more attached to the blessing that I gave you? Let me ask you this morning the same question. How many of you here this morning are closer to God or to the things or the people God's given you? priorities. The example of Abraham, first of all, it's about patience. Second of all, it's about our priorities. Just where is God, and are you putting him first? There's all kinds of despair in our life. We too will go through moments, just like Abraham, of having to determine, God, why not now? I'm ready for it now. You told me that this is what you wanted to do, this is what I prayed about, this is what I think you have for me, but I still haven't seen it come yet. I haven't had the answer to prayer yet. It's not the way I thought it should happen, and am I still waiting for that to take place? And I've jumped out of line, and I've gone too far, and I've said things I shouldn't, and I feel like Abraham, and yet I still have all these other blessings, and sometimes I feel like I'm trusting more in the things that you've given me than in you alone as the one who has given them to me. Folks, let me say something very carefully. I would put more trust in him than in your spouse. Because for many of us, our spouse has taken the place of our God. And our spouse is not always going to be with us. Yes, your spouse should maybe be first in the rank of order of things here. But they should never be first and take the place of God. Maybe it's your children. It's your children that have ruined your ministry and your life. It's your children. It's their activities. It's all their games and all the excitement and all their friends. And your whole life has been patterned around what your children want and what they want to do and what they want to accomplish. And it's interfered with your church and your ministry and your service and your ordinations and everything about the life that you are. It's, it's interfered with your evangelism. It's interfered with your discipleship and your Bible teaching. And boy, we could all say it the same. Let's just admit it. If you're going to have children, we're going to put our Christian discipleship on hold for about 25 years and then we'll come back. At least you'll do that for worship, I know. Because if you've raised children in the church, you probably haven't heard a whole lot since then. But that's what we mean when we talk about inconsistent discipleship. Just what is the priority in your life? Is it making your children happy? Is it making them content? Is it so that they will fit in? Is it so that you'll be recognized by others? So that you'll be successful in your career? That people will know you as someone who is popular, well-established, and done? Are you truly living for the blessings that God's given you or are you living for God himself? Oh, the choice is so pointed to us when it comes to the certainty of God's promises. Abraham is an example of patience even if they're not perfect. He's an example of how we need to put our priorities that God must be first. Because he is the one that will never leave you, nor forsake you. And finally, we need to look at his purpose that he has for us. The scriptures make it very clear. For the people swear by something greater, verse 16, than themselves. In all their disputes, an oath is final. It's confirmation. Listen to what he says. So that when God desired to show me more convincingly the heirs of the promise... What he was actually showing him was that the promises wasn't just for Abraham, but they were for who? For you. The same God who promised Abraham did the things so that you would know that the things that he promised would still come true for you. That the promises that we have in Christ, the assurances that we have of our sin being forgiven, the cleansing, the relationship, the place that he's prepared for us, the life in which he's chosen, the events in which we'll face and what we'll go through, have all been promises, not just to him but to you, the heirs of Abraham, who he made the promise. Are you a child of Abraham by faith? Then you have the promises of God awaiting you, for you. He has a wonderful thing in store for you as a child. He actually swore an oath that's here. It's actually the word for the sources of a confirmation. They were for us. These heirs, but listen to this the purpose of God is unchangeable. Verse 17 says it this way the promise of this immutable character. This is a word that you may not know, beluminos. It's a word that is used to describe God's deliberate will according to his wishes. His deliberate will according to the things that he wishes. And when you put those two together, this is what it translates it's what God wants. When you take an immutable, unchangeable will, what God decrees to happen, and you put it to His will and that which He desires, what you're saying really is that God's going to do what He wants. And when He works in you, it's because He wants you. When events happen in your life, it's because He wants them to happen in your life, When we find ourselves in circumstances, it's because his immutable, unchangeable character wants you to be able to be changed and made according to his will. He wants this to work in your life. Why? Because he wants his purpose to come to fruition. And because he's immutable and unchangeable and omnipotent, it will happen. What more could God say than to say, I swear by myself, truth have it, what I want to happen in your life is going to happen, and it's going to happen when I want it to happen. Just be what? Patient. Use Abraham as our example, but it's not just the example. He gives us encouragements. Know these stories. Please understand them. They're amazing. The stories that we go through, we run real fast through these. When he begins to say, so that by two unchangeable things, that which is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge. Circle that in your Bible. That's actually an analogy that he's going back to for you to understand in the times of Abraham, in the times of what's happening in the Old Testament. Do you remember in the Old Testament the importance of a refuge city? Do you remember the places that were designed that if something happened in your life and people would falsely accuse you and your life would be in danger, you had a place that you could what? Go and find refuge. You could go to the cities that were assigned, and if you went to those cities, those cities would protect you from your enemy so that they couldn't take judgment out on your life too soon, that they couldn't come after you and harm you without going through the right process and finding out the truth. And here we're reminded as an encouragement that we have a refuge to hide in. We have a place and a person to go to when people begin to prejudge, make unnecessary decisions, don't understand what we're going through. We have a place, we have a person that we can take refuge in, that protects us provides for us and keeps us until God's purposes are worked out. So yes, we have this refuge, this place that we can go, this person of Jesus Christ who covers us. But even before that, we have this oath. It's also what's called reassuring. We have a reassurance that God doesn't lie. Look at verse 16 when he says, the people swear by something greater themselves and all their disputes. An oath is final for confirmation. That's the word you need to understand. The word confirmation there, ice bibiosin. It's two words put together, bibiosin and ice. the word before that goes into this understanding of what God has done. That word is actually used, is back into an Egyptian legal formula if you like to do your research. That is a word that has been used in a military context. To say that confirmation is there, to say that God has swore as this oath It's the same thing as saying what we would call today a legal guarantee. Now, catch this. In the old days, for those of you old enough to remember, someone made a promise to you. I hope you'll understand this. And they said, and you can take that what? Oh, you are old enough to remember that. (laughs) You can take it all the way to the bank as if the bank was the place of what? Security. It was the place that things were protected It was the place where you could know it was safe It was the promises It was the confirmation And what he's saying to us is We have this encouragement That just like Abraham went through That we have a God who has promises And a purpose for us And for certainty We know it because he's made an oath We have reassurance That this is a guarantee from God And we have a place of refuge, a place to hide. We can go to Christ as we're waiting for him to bring about the truth. I'm not sure where you're hiding this morning, waiting for God to bring about what he promised. But the best place to wait for Christ to bring all the things he's promised is in Christ himself. And you'll be sure not to miss them. Oh, it's not just reassuring of an oath or this refuge that we have, but listen to what he says, that we have an agreement to hold fast to this hope that is set before us. We have this, verse 19, as an anchor of our soul. Man, we have the reassurance of his oath, the one of truth, God himself. We have a refuge, a place to hide, a place to go, to wait until these promises are fulfilled. And now we have what we call a reliable place, an anchor. Folks, this is the anchor on. It's the only time in the New Testament. Circle it and keep it. We always hear about the anchor that Christ holds us and the anchor that keeps our stability. This is the only place in the New Testament that this is found. And it's relation to the high priest who has gone into the inner sanctum of the holy place and says, it's here that you are now steadfast and sure. Your soul is anchored in a place that is protected. Behind the curtain, behind the veil, listen how he builds the story up. It is this reliable place of an anchor that allows us to be in the presence of God. It is a hope that is set before us, a sure and steadfast place that enters into the inner place. Do you get what he's talking about? All these references in this Old Testament, in this time in which Abraham would understand, Moses would later come about, the Old Testament would long for, is that we had this place where the high priest would go in behind that inner curtain and could enjoy the presence of God more than any blessing he was ever given. He could now enjoy God's presence. And then he would have to leave. He would have to go back out And live amongst all the blessings that God had given him, away from his presence. And now the writer of Hebrews says, but we have an anchor now. We have an anchor in the holy place, behind the curtain, the holy of holies, the inner sanctum. We have now an anchor that when we get into the presence of God, we never have to leave. We have someone who is there to intercede for us, someone who can keep us in God's presence. And that's the importance of Jesus Christ. He is our anchor. It's not us. We don't go behind the veil in and, and our own merits and in our own works, anchor ourselves to God. It is only through Jesus Christ. It is through His work, through His blood. It is through a personal relationship brought about by the works of the Holy Spirit when He convicts us of our need and we trust in Jesus Christ. He enters the inner sanctum as the high priest according to Melchizedek and never leaves again. Unlike the earthly priests who made sacrifices for themselves, we've learned all about this, who had to be cleansed in themselves, but Jesus himself, the great high priest, takes us into the presence of God and never leaves, which means for those of us who are in Christ, we can spend the rest of our lives enjoying the presence of God rather than leaving His presence and going out and trusting and living amongst all the blessings He's given us. We have no excuse to put God first, to be in His presence as we await His promises. Why? Because he tells us at the last little bit here, verse 20, because Jesus is a forerunner. Yes, write these down. We have a reassurance of an oath. We have the refuge of a place to hide. We have a reliable anchor in the inner room. And now we have a forerunner. Do you know what that is? Do you know what a forerunner is? This pro prodromos that is called, again, the activity that goes forth, it's the word that is used throughout in battle in which when the captain or the leader of an army would pro prorodos, go forth and lead the battle. He would go in advance. He would go first. The forerunner was never intended to go by himself and stay there by himself and to never bring anybody with him. For those of you who are in the military and have served in the military, you would understand exactly what a forerunner is. Jesus became the one who, in advance, went into the inner place, made everything right, ready through his crucifixion, his, his exaltation, his humiliation. But as a forerunner, it automatically insinuates that he expects us to what? To follow. He didn't go to do it all by himself. He didn't go to just accomplish everything and leave the military or the army behind. He went first so that when he came back, he could take others with him and give them the confidence of what was ahead. Well, man, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad he's at the right hand of the Father. As a forerunner for me. So that when he comes back He can gather those of us in this army And take us with him to the place he's already been To that place some have said he's already prepared Oh Jesus was a forerunner Because he was for us He did not live for himself He did not come if you wish for himself He came for us he wasn't baptized for himself. He was baptized. what? For us, do you remember? For us to understand. For us to be able to have testimony. He didn't pray for himself in the garden. he prayed for what? Us. Do you see this coming down? He was crucified for us. He ascended to the Father, for us. He's been exalted for us. He intercedes now, what? For us. This morning, I encourage you as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, we're taking of this because He has been there for us. He has done this for us. Each time you do this, do this in remembrance of what? Of me, the forerunner, so that you could be where I am. It's never without the intent. Jesus has always expected us to patiently wait while he goes before us. And then gives us all the promises, prepares the place, and then plans for us to be with him. The goal, enjoy the presence of God. This morning as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, I ask you again, are you excited to share in God's presence or are you just rejoicing in what he's given you? I would encourage you, trust in the character and the person of God regardless of the promises and the blessings you've already received. Your future depends upon. You. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to celebrate, Lord, bless us with your presence. Let your Holy Spirit not be taken from us like Saul said. As David cries out, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Renew a right spirit in us. Lord, it's my prayer that as we leave this place this morning, We'll have the desire to be with you. More than the things that you've given us. We ask it in Jesus name. Amen. In just a moment as we pass this out you can turn to first Corinthians chapter 11 if you want that's where the story is of the Lord's Supper. I'm going to invite some of our servants to come forth and leaders to help me. They'll please come. I'm going to read in just a moment. Let me say one thing to you as we get ready to start and pass this out. I'll ask again, if you're here this morning and you've never made a profession of faith, I ask that you withhold. This is a time for us to commune together. If you're here this morning and say, well, I really want to be with Jesus, you can simply pray and ask the Lord to forgive you, to admit that you're a sinner, that your sins need to be forgiven. Only Christ can do that. He's done that for you. To call upon his name and to ask him to forgive you. You're cleansed. The repentance comes from the help of the Holy Spirit. When you change your ways, you change your mind to agree with him. That can all happen, but please tell me. I would be glad to meet with you and go over it with you. And share with you what it means to be saved. But here this morning as we pass out the bread, I'm going to ask that you hold it until we can take together. But inside the tray, let me just do this. I, I never think of all things. We have a little rice pack. This is the special power and potency (laughs) of true faith. No, I say this gently, and I'm sorry we overlook things. If you can't have wheat, or you can't have gluten, or you can't have things, this was offered as a way, and what a blessing, that if you need one, please take this, they're in packets, but if you would like to have a rice check instead of the wheats and things, they're in these, just take one as it comes by if you need it, that's all that is. I didn't want you to be concerned as we hand these out as to what was going to take place with these packets. As they pass this out, please take one. And as we prepare our hearts, let me just read again a moment as we've been going through the book of Hebrews, the importance of the high priest. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near to God. There is no sacrifice that you could bring or that you could offer that can put you in the presence of God and make you clean. Listen to what he says. If that were true, otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. If it were true that an animal could cleanse your conscience, you wouldn't have needed Jesus Christ. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. A body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. I have come to do your will, doing away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The writer of Hebrews this morning says, God has a promise for you, and all those promises come through Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters, but when you finally accept the blood of Christ, then you realize you are clean. The place that God's prepared for you is achievable. It's been made ready, and now we just patiently wait. So as he gathered with them in Corinthians, he said, this is my body broken for you as often as you do this. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's see. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you would give your son Jesus Christ for us. As we feed upon him in faith, Father, not the bread, but that our souls are anchored in your presence in him. That you would strengthen us and renew us And give us what's necessary to trust in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In the same way as we passed out the bread, I'm going to ask that you take the drink as it is passed. And if you would, you can take a third one. yeah. Then you can also take and hold until each one of these are done. You can just do two over a time. Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, that through the greater and the more perfect tent, not one that is made with hands, but is not of this creation, Jesus entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. The writer of Hebrews has just finished telling us it is impossible to be a child of God and not. The blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful that once you are cleansed, you are cleansed for eternity. You have the promises that await you. Just be patient the hard part is that so many of us still put our trust in the things that we have been blessed with rather than in the blood of Jesus. For if the blood of the goats and bulls and the sprinkling of the defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer could sanctify for the purification of the flesh. Just think how much more the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, will purify our conscience from dead works to serve a living God. Inconsistent discipleship. It leads to an unhappy Christian life. Christ told us to follow, told us to trust, and we should follow all the way. And trust only in him until he comes back. As he met with his disciples, he said, this is my blood, the new covenant poured out for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink. Heavenly Father, again, cleanse our conscience. Help us to understand that our presence with you and the Father is of utmost the promise you have for us. Father, we do pray. We pray that you take away everything in our life that has become first place so that we might truly experience you for who you are. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. At this time, I'm going to ask them if they'll take the offering plates, and if you would, as you prepare your hearts to give back to the Lord. If you receive a benediction, I want to read it to you. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Have a great Lord's Day.